The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Friday, July 29th. Those who are newer to the world of crypto might find themselves maybe intimidated by, maybe attracted by the volatility, complexity, and frantic pace of an asset class that quite literally never sleeps. There are those who believe crypto and the blockchain will redefine our collective futures, and those who argue it's just a set of solutions in search of a problem. Our job as Bloomberg editors is to assess all of these perspectives, all of these headlines, all of these disagreements, and determine how and whether they become stories. Welcome to another edition of Friday in the Editor's Room, a conversation with Bloomberg's crypto editors from around the world. It's a window into how we see crypto shaping markets and our culture. Joining me today, crypto senior editors Anna Herrera, who's based in London. I think maybe what will sh- would shock me would be if Michael Saylor sells his Bitcoins. That, w- that would be a shock. And Philip Lagerkranzer, who's based in Zurich. One thing that really interests me right now is what the response from Singapore is going to be. Anna, Phil, thank you for joining us. Thank Good you for having here. us. I know we are all supposed to be doing all sorts of other work, so I appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to be in the studio today. Anna, I want to start with you. You are our senior editor based in London. You have been at Bloomberg five minutes? <laughs> yes. Three five weeks? and five seconds. There we go. Oh, almost fourth. I think this is the fourth week. What is time? What are some of the big things you've seen in terms of coverage out of the UK since you joined? Because I believe the UK government fell apart in like your first or second week here. It was the first week. Someone who was in training with me here was uh, arrived the same day, was covering is covering the government. So I felt kind of privileged because at least I wasn't him. <laughs> we were doing training at the same time and he was like, sorry, I can't show up. And it felt like a, he had a good excuse. <laughs> Um, so I also joined and crypto markets were not very calm. So I was worried because obviously I, I was not only somewhere else, but I was on mat leave for a while that I would arrive and there would either be no market left or there would be <laughs> so many things that I would need to catch up on. But obviously everything happened at once. And so I, I had to catch up in two days. And I feel like with crypto, because it's such a global story, you can sort of say what's happening here, but it's the same that's happening in New York, too, or in Singapore, it's mm-hmm. the firms may be based there or in the Cayman Islands or in the Bahamas, most likely. But you sort of don't really feel like there's a local story as much. So, you know, we've 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 had to catch up on what was going with Celsius and 3AC. There's been facets of the story, the bigger stories everywhere. Right. But obviously with with the UK, the, the big thing now is like what what's going on with the government and what does that mean for crypto? Because the previous cabinet um, was very much into regulating it or give or, but not in a negative way necessarily right. but regulating and giving it a framework mm-hmm. um so that the sort of businesses can know what they they can or can't do and hopefully that would attract more crypto companies to to the uk 
this was the idea of having the UK be like the crypto technology capital of the world. Yes. Famously was the statement. Yes. And before that, it was being the fintech capital of the world. So there's always the sort of flavor of the, of the, the world. two years or, yeah. Yeah. Nothing like empire. So when the government collapsed, like what in functional terms has that meant for crypto? Like, the, is it that the people who were in charge of creating that framework or that environment are no longer there? Is it that their staffs can't make any decisions? Like, what's the practical consequence of not having a prime minister? So I, th- I think, obviously, when there's a change of government, and me being Italian know, know this very well, because <laughs> we never have a government that lasts more than five minutes, it means, like, you kind of have to start from scratch when you're an in- someone in industry in-, in creating those relationships. So, mm-hmm. you know, people that take over need to kind of catch up on what's going on if it's not something they've been familiar with. And, you know, crypto is a big deal for us, but it probably isn't for the world at large at this point still and for for governments. So maybe the people just that are there in the treasury need to catch up with what's happening. But also you sort of need to figure out whether they do care and Mm -hmm. whether they have other priorities. And in particular, the previous government had uh, someone at the head of the treasury, Rishi Sunak, who's now running to be potentially the next prime minister, who was very active in this and his sort of Secondhand man, John Glenn, also was very active in the crypto industry and they had all of these plans to attract more firms here. So we're waiting to see who will take over after Boris Johnson. It could be Sunak. And so then what does that mean for crypto? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a good thing or maybe not because he's now going to be focused on something else. Um, Right. So the bigger problems of the UK. Exactly. Yes. Got it. And, you know, Phil, you're in Switzerland, which I remember I was telling you, I I'm not even sure who runs Switzerland. It seems so calm all the time. But you, you know, you're kind of coming at this from what's happening in Europe and also because of the time zone that you and Anna are in. You do have a lot more overlap with the APAC time zone. To pick up on something that Anna said around, you know, there are many elements of this that are a global story and there are a couple of elements that are a local story. What are some of the things that you're seeing kind of more locally right now? If you would start with APAC, which is, you know, an area that, that I'm also still very much looking Sorry, after. Asia Pacific for the Asia Pacific people all the time. Indeed, apologies. Yes. <laughs> if you start with Asia Pacific, I think that you're seeing almost the tail end of the crypto contagion playing out there. It's quite interesting. You know, it started, we had Celsius, I believe, at the very start. 3AC, obviously, was was probably the early mover. And yes, they are a, a sort of an Asian outfit. But it's come back now to companies, many of them are based in Singapore, Vault, for instance, and also the Thai company, Zipmex. One thing that really interests me right now is the um, what the response from Singapore is going to be. We had 3AC. that Three hours know, capital. Three hours capital that uh, at least was uh, registered there. Mm-hmm. And Vold, uh, which is based there, Terraform Labs um, is based in Singapore. They have come out to say already that, look, we are going to be adding regulation um, to protect consumers. They've already got like a marketing ban from January on crypto. Um, and and so to, to, to the extent that Singapore will really come down hard on this sector now, um, I think that is going to be a very interesting development. I think the indications from the central bank there is that if retail protectors, er, investors, apologies, can't protect themselves, then the central bank is going to do it for them. So the based on the people that you know we have been speaking to in the industry, 
The overriding concern here is that Singapore will take a turn in in the more, more sort of closed off or strict um, direction when it comes to regulations. And it's interesting, right? Because we're talking about jurisdictions that want to attract crypto, right? So how do you balance it out? Singapore was very much, I remember in my gold, golden age was fintech reporting was very much trying to attract fintech firms and position themselves as as a great home for fintech because the theory is that then your financial sector remains competitive right so you can't attract them too much or if you do attract them you have to have safeguards in place so it's interesting to see see if they'll swing the other way as as phil was saying so and i'm hearing from you that you know the potential for crypto regulation in the uk which is something we've talked a lot about on the podcast including with our colleague emily nicole has been more of a, shall we say, positive framework in the sense of they're figuring out how to make crypto work and, you know, set up, set it up that way. Phil, what I'm hearing from you that Singapore is less than impressed (laughs) with some of the things that have gone down recently, either by companies that were registered in Singapore, domiciled in Singapore, or otherwise had like Singaporean exposure and customers and clients. And then here in the U.S., It's also been a pretty interesting week in terms of what regulators are appearing to take action on. So one of the big headlines of the past several days has been around Coinbase, whether that's in the terms of their, you know, 21 percent decline in their share price earlier this week, whether that's in terms of Kathy Wood, who is, you know, kind of a a famous stock picker finally starting to shed holdings of Coinbase stock from her ARK ETF. But why is that happening? It's happening because the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission here is now taking a pretty interesting approach to appearing to regulate the crypto industry through enforcement. And I think that's a little bit different from what I'm hearing from you, Anna, where it's not so much a we're shutting you down story. It's a we're going to figure out how to make this work. And Phil, Singapore is like, we'll see if there's an enforcement action. But in the U.S., people are getting arrested. And I think that took a lot of people by surprise. It certainly didn't didn't help the Bitcoin price when the SEC, working with various other enforcement partners, issued an action against a former Coinbase employee for an allegation of insider trading. Now, going after insider trading is absolutely what the SEC does. Going after insider trading in crypto tokens freaked people out because what that suggested is the SEC was starting to define at least a limited number of those tokens as securities for the purposes of enforcement. And pretty much like every good crypto lawyer this week <laughs> has been like, you know, writing statements, calling clients, being called by clients. The, the chief legal officer at Coinbase, you know, spun up a blog post in record time being like, this is why um, we don't think that these things are securities. We don't list unregistered securities on our platform. Be aware, Coinbase trades a lot more than Bitcoin. They, in fact, more than 150 different tokens are traded. And they're asking the SEC for clarity around the rules, even as they make clear that they don't think they did anything wrong here. If they were found to have traded securities, then the company may well have to file, register with the SEC as an exchange. So... Around the world, the regulation story does seem to be the one that is going to continue to dominate our coverage, at least for a minute. Yeah, I think I, I think what's really interesting about the U.S. is 
and the SEC is that they've been warning that some of these things are securities for a very long time, mm -hmm. at least since the last crash, right? So I think people had lost hope that they would actually come in and enforce in a way that was significant around this. And they were sort of asking, the industry was asking, SEC, please give us the list of what is a token or what isn't. That mm -hmm. way we know for sure. And they didn't. And so now they're starting to come in. The question I have is, which is, which is, you know, Coinbase was allowed to list and a lot of these assets were on their platform. So some people were maybe expecting that that was sort of a, okay, then everything is fine with Coinbase because it's now a public company. And so it means that the things it listed had received a sort of tacit approval or there wasn't anything, you know, there that was was a security but didn't have the proper registration. So it's quite surprising that they did come in. And I wonder whether they will go after more firms or if, you know, it will take a lot of money to fight Coinbase because Coinbase, I mean, their share price has fallen, but they do have a lot of resources. And so it, it's interesting that they decided to pick a fight with with sort of Coinbase, um, if you can call it picking a fight. But, you know, <laughs> it will it will definitely be a sort of court battle to watch. Right. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that we're certainly gearing up for is that a lot of this is going into courts. It's very similar to what we've also talked about on the podcast with Grayscale being really clear that they are going to take the SEC to court because they disagree with the regulator's decision to continue to not allow them to convert their, you know, Bitcoin trust, one of the biggest in the world, into an exchange-traded fund. Certainly fun times for regulation reporters at Bloomberg and everywhere else. We'll be right back with some more of the crypto trends that we're watching as we head into the coming week. You'll be hearing from Anna and Phil, two of our senior editors for Bloomberg Crypto. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Just as a kind of a closing question or a closing thought, I always get asked, what do you think is going to happen next? And my default answer is I genuinely have no idea <laughs> because I feel like every week, every day we wake up and there's like, well, here's a headline that we weren't necessarily expecting to see. So I'll ask you a slightly different question. Phil, I'll start with you. Is there anything that didn't surprise you this week where you're like, yeah, totally saw that coming? No. <laughs> Look, I think the South Korean uh, investigation into Terraform Labs and its co-founder, Do Kwon, and its other co-founder now, uh, Dalian Shin as well, they had telegraphed that, you know, something was coming on that. And we saw mm -hmm. them raiding various exchanges and homes this week uh, to collect evidence, I guess you could call it. Um, I think that was telegraphed. I, I, I was surprised at the width and the scope of what they did. Other than that, I think I, there was a rough expectation that the contagion wasn't quite over. And so when, um, when Zipmix came out and said that, you know, they had frozen withdrawals, the name to me was, was surprising. It was a name that I was keenly aware of, but mm -hmm. that there were entities out there that were nursing heavy losses from the contagion um, wasn't a huge surprise to me. But other than that, pretty much everything is always a surprise. Makes it fun. What about you, Anna? I'm a little more jaded. Um, <laughs> I'm like the grandmother of uh, some 
crypto reporting at this point, I feel. I'm not ever like, ooh, shocked, but it's like, wow, this is evolving like we might have expected had we followed a bit more attention, people are paid more attention. I think maybe what will sh- would shock me would be if Michael Saylor sells his Bitcoins. That, that would be a shock uh, at this point. But to be honest, the, the, the SEC fight, as I will continue to call it with, with Coinbase, sort of was surprising because it, it is a big step and as you said like arresting people you know i remember with the with the ico boom people are like people are going to get arrested and like you know it's not going to go well you're you're issuing unregistered securities in a very bombastic fashion raising mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars with retail investors and then literally no one <laughs> really of any significance did go to jail for that so you know it, it is always quite shocking when 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 they take that sort of step from the digital world into the real world of you know handcuffs. Well, to your point, there's a big there's a big gap between these initial arrests and these allegations and anything that will actually happen in court, right? Like we don't know what's going to happen to this ex-Coinbase employee. The the headline the immediate headline stuff is always like thing has happened and then there's months and years. <laughs> Of people in court and paperwork filed and yeah, we're you still know, waiting for documents. an XRP. Sorry, for Ripple, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you know, well, the good news is we will be here to cover it, and we will all carry on talking about it in the future. But thank you both for joining me here today, and you know, you'll be back on the pod maybe next week. Thank you. Thank you. You heard from senior editor Anna Herrera and senior editor Philip Lagerkranzer. You can find all of our work in the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com, and we're all on Twitter. Anna is at, at Anna Herrera, that's I-R-R-E-R-A, and Phil is at Lagerkranzer, elite member of the Last Name Club. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, in 2021 alone, cops in the US and UK seized billions of dollars of crypto assets from various different criminal busts. With so much money on the line and stakes only getting higher, enforcement agencies around the world have had to learn quickly how to spot these digital assets and take them out of the hands of criminals. Bloomberg reporters Ellen Milligan and David Voriakos will join me to discuss how the seizures of digital assets are transforming policing, both in terms of policy and protocol around the world. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergalina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Sharon Bariro. Our producer is Mohammed Farouk. Our associate producers are Zanab Siddiqui and Ty Butler. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidrin. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. Have a great weekend. Countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.